Good evening. Good evening. I welcome you to this uh, worship Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, as we this year um, are moving, are turning this year towards the cross as one that we're calling uh, a cross-centered journey. Over the next few weeks, we will be um, talking about some of the obstacles, some of the rough spots along the road, and we'll be hearing from some of our fellow travelers, some of our own members, and some of their rough spots, and how um, they have dealt with those along the way, and how God has been there for them in the midst of uh, various trials and tribulations. So let me draw your attention to a couple of announcements. Um, first of all, you get to really begin Lent uh, this week, because in addition to Ash Wednesday service tonight, um, the youth, our senior high youth, have a catacomb service on Saturday evening at 6. They'll be right downstairs at Fellowship Hall. Uh, I think they'll be designing that space to look a little bit like the catacombs. And so uh, it should be a special service. It's about the fourth time or so they've done that. So we're looking forward to that. And then on Sunday, um, missionary in Taiwan, Presbyterian Church USA, John McCall, will be here preaching worship. Also, will be teaching in Sunday school. So a chance for you to uh, hear him, it should be a wonderful time. And just a little bit more about tonight. Tonight, obviously, we're celebrating Holy Communion and letting you know that you are all welcome at this table. Also, we will have an opportunity at the very end of the service, as you see in the bulletin, uh, to come forward and have the sign of the cross placed on your forehead um, in ashes. Uh, that's optional. You don't have to do that. You can if you would like to. Be able to come forward. Let's now focus our hearts and our minds as we turn our attention to the cross and to Christ who walked there on our behalf. Would you stand and join me in the call to worship? If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, and being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross.
We have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Have mercy on us, O God. We confess to you, O God, all our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience in our lives. We confess to you, O God, our self-indulgent appetites and ways and our exploitation of other people. We confess to you, O God, our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to commend to others the faith that is in us. We confess to you, O God, for all false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors, and for our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us. Accept our repentance, O God. Restore us, O God, and let your anger depart from us. Hear us favorably, O God, for your mercy is great. Our scripture lesson for this evening is from Matthew's Gospel. It's the very early part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells all those that are listening to him sort of a threefold formula that you'll hear repeated over and over. Let us pray together. 
Lord, help us not to presume that we know your word. But let us presume that your word knows us. So we ask that your word seek out our hearts and find a place inside them to dwell. But as we listen and meditate upon your gift to us, we will not only be enriched and enlightened, but that we will be transformed. Amen. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, They've received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast... Do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Do you hear that formula that just keeps coming up there again and again? He tells the story of the hypocrites and their attempts to give alms and to, and to pray and to fast, and it's exactly the same wording. Do not be like the hypocrites. Instead, do this and do it in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Three times Jesus goes through this formula. Three times he repeats, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Giving money, praying, fasting, these are all good things to do. Jesus doesn't say there's anything wrong with them. That's part of what it means to be righteous, to be pious. But all of them 
are better done in secret. Jesus especially doesn't like the way that the hypocrites behave. Literally, hypocrites means those who are play-acting. In this case, play-acting at, at being servants of God. The big question for Jesus is, who are you doing these things for? Are you doing them for yourself? Or are you doing them for God? What is it that the hypocrites do that has Jesus so riled up? Well, their almsgiving, their prayers, and their fasting are all about themselves. It's about their image. It's important to the hypocrites that everybody know that they're big givers and serious prayers and major stomach-growling food-deprived fasters. Very important that everybody knows that. But Jesus says that if you really are serious about your spirituality and your relationship with God, if you're not just play-acting, you'll keep your acts of devotion secret. You'll do them in a way that God and only God will know about them. Jesus said that following him is a cross-centered endeavor. The cross is about Christ's death on our behalf, right? He gave himself away in that death for us. He tells his followers that if they want to follow him and be like him, then, then we're going to have to pick up our own crosses and give ourselves away as well. One of the ways that we give ourselves away, Jesus strongly tells us here, is, is that we have to give away our desire to be well-regarded by others. I'm going to look like a fool in just a moment to prove to you that this is worth risking. We can't be showing off for the benefit of others. Following Christ means that we have to give up our need to receive the approval of the crowd. Our friends' adulation, their commendation, and especially all those, you know, attaboys for, for public displays of faithfulness. We have to live a cross-centered life. Now, I have some special good news for you who are here tonight. Because first off, you're here. You've given up a Wednesday night to be at an Ash Wednesday service. That is so rare, as you can tell, that I am tempted just to write your names down and put them in the Sunday bulletin. <laughs> but if I do that, then you'll lose your reward. So I can't do that. In fact, I, I promise to forget that you are even here, which will probably increase your reward by another 5 to 7%, I think. In this litany that Jesus goes through, it starts, you notice, with almsgiving. Almsgiving shows up first here because in Jesus' day, giving alms, giving money to the poor, um, was central to what it meant to be a righteous person. In fact, the, there's some early versions of Matthew where in, in, first, in the first verse there where it talks about uh, being pious and being righteous, we have some versions where the word almsgiving is interchangeable with being righteous. 
In those days, it was almost the same thing. Righteous people gave to the poor. That's what they did. And people who gave to the poor were righteous. It was almost a way of defining the word. Now, I've noticed that in the local church, most local churches anyway, um, we're pretty good about protecting people's donations, keeping them secret so that they remain anonymous. But, but I wonder if that's really because we want those donations to remain anonymous or that the flip side of that might be that we would be embarrassed to have folks see what we really give. I say that because I've noticed that in other areas of our life, we're not like that at all. Notice, for instance, that when you go to, say, Ravinia, or uh, the Lyric Opera, or the Elmhurst Symphony, or the CSO, one of those places, and you look in the back of your program, you know, and it lists all the donors. How many of those are anonymous? You remember the last time you looked? Or your alumni magazines, and you look back there and who's given what? How many of those? What's the ratio of named gifts to anonymous? I just happened to have one here. This is from McCormick Seminary. And uh, it came across mine, but it could be from anywhere. It could be from any school. But I went through here and I counted all of these names in the back because they just uh, listed all their donors for fiscal year 2007 to 8. See all these in here, George? See any anonymouses? There I am. There you are? Okay. <laughs> and I, I counted them all up. They list from 10000 plus down to under a hundred dollars and I counted them and there's a thousand individuals there are also some churches and foundations and stuff who've given to the seminary but there are a thousand individuals just take a guess out of a thousand individual names that are listed how many of them are anonymous two is the perfect answer you are good two out of a thousand now, why is that? Most of the givers in here are alumni of the seminary, which would make them pastors. <laughs> pastors who preach on this particular passage. What's going on? Why aren't we taking it to heart? I mean, this could be my seminary. It could be, uh, it could be Princeton. It could be anywhere. You know, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to not let people know that you're supporting your alma mater. It's hard to not want that recognition, right? And that's just a little area. I know what Jesus is saying here isn't easy. I mean, it's hard enough just to do these three things to pray, to fast, to give away your money, your hard-earned money. But I have a recommendation for you. I want to get sort of actually practical here tonight. And that is, I want to just encourage you to kind of lighten up about this and to um, make it kind of into a game. Actually, what I would encourage you to do is, like the, the hypocrites, to, to be a play actor here, but to flip it around your play acting and to, what I would really encourage you to do is, is to be a secret agent for the Lord. To be a secret agent for the Lord. You know those guys, right? Spies. 
See, when you're, I'm encouraging you to do this because it's going to be really hard for you to think of being a secret agent and keep a straight face. And that's good because that's how you should be approaching these things. You know, too often we take ourselves and our need for glory, all that stuff, way too seriously. Think of yourself as a secret agent for the Lord and you will do these things and it'll be a lot easier than thinking of yourself as a holy disciple of God. Now, tonight at town, I practiced being a Pharisee, which was kind of fun. You know, I got to kind of lord it over all the little kids. They didn't really buy it, though. They were good. So here's the deal. I'm really encouraging you to be a secret agent. Now, secret agents, as you know, they have a special garb. So I want you to put on the trench coat of anonymity, the trench coat of secrecy. That's important. So what that means is that you've got to learn like a good spy to, to find some really sneaky excuses to avoid eating lunch with your coworkers, right? Because you're going to be fasting. You, you've uh, got to develop some deeply devious ways to skip breakfast or dinner with your family. You know, if you've planned a certain fast day in your week, does anybody fast anymore in Lent? Oh, I can't ask you. Um, you'll lose your reward. But you're, you've planned a, f a certain fast day, for instance, and you get an invitation to your nephew's birthday party. You may not say, well, I'm, that's a fasting day, and I, I can't come. You're not going to say that. You'll move your fasting day to another day. They'll never know anything about it, and you'll go and you'll celebrate your nephew. Otherwise, you're a full-blown Pharisee, right? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a secret agent for the Lord. Because, right, spies, secret agents, they're not rocket scientists. They're the people that steal the formulas from the rocket scientists. All you have to do is be moderately clever. That's all you have to do and have a desire, like any good spy, to not be seen. All you got to do, put on the trench coat of anonymity and the hat of humility and pull it down really low over your eyes. You need to own the fact that I told you, I warned you. You need to own the fact that it is hard to do these things, to pray, to fast, to give away your money. It's hard to do them. It's harder still to do them without getting the glory. With, harder yet to do them in secret and impossible to do on your own. So don't even pretend that you can't. That's part of what you're going to be asking when you're in your time of prayer with God. You're going to say, God, I'm not good at this. Help me. Help me to do this in secret. Help me to be devoted to you and not to my own glory, my own self-aggrandizement. You know, I'm trying to do this cold turkey. It's an addiction I have, this ego of mine, an addiction to see myself in the mirror. So when somebody asks you, as they will do sometimes, what are you giving up for Lent? What are you going to say? 
Every fiber of your being wants to say, I know George does, every fiber of his being wants to say, I'm going to be fasting on Tuesdays, Thursdays, uh, I'll be taking that time that I would have been eating, and I'll be praying, and I'll take the money that I would have used uh, for that food, uh, give to the food pantry, that's what I'll be doing. No, you're not going to say that. Ah. When somebody asks you what you're giving up for Lent instead, because you're a good secret agent, right? You're going to say, what am I giving up for Lent? Why would I want to give anything up for Lent? Notice you haven't actually lied there. You've just given them the question back. Now they might in turn give you a lecture about why it would be a good idea to give some things up for Lent and how Christ gave stuff up for us. And then you, even though it's going to be really hard, you're going to have to just take it. You're just going to have to stand there and nod your head and go, yeah, that's right. I, I would have to do that. Okay, that, that's a good idea. Now, it is possible that somebody really kind of invasive, invasive you know, it's like reaching into your life and saying, what are you going to give up for Lent? And how come you're not talking to me about it? How come you won't answer that? And then like any good spy, you'll just have to say, I'm sorry, that's classified information. <laughs> I can't talk about that. So you got to put on the trench coat of anonymity. you got to put on the hat of humility. And, like any good spy, you got to put on shades. you got to put on the dark glasses of perspective. Remember 007, James Bond. He always got some really cool gadgets from Q before he went out to save England and the rest of the world. Remember? Lots of cool gadgets. The dark glasses of perspective is exactly one of those cool gadgets. And because you came here on Ash Wednesday, just you, just you, the righteous remnant, every one of you gets a free pair tonight. Right now, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to tell you right now how to get your pair. Here's what you do. You keep this picture before you. Painted on the inside of your eyelids. Because no matter how much you give up for Lent, how much your stomach growls, how much money you give away or how many minutes you spend in prayer, let's face it, it doesn't quite come close to this guy's sacrifice, does it? We really don't have anything to brag about. Who are we kidding? Put on those dark glasses. The ones that choose to see the cross first and your own sacrifice second. And you'll find that it gets a little easier to skip lunch and not brag about it. Jesus says, if you do this, you'll be laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Every secret good thing you do is a deposit in the bank of heaven. And someday, he suggests you'll be making withdrawals with interest. Now, I think he tells us this because he's kind. The fact is, 
it should be enough for us just to have received his gracious touch, to know his forgiveness. With no other reward in sight, but because he's kind, and because we have a great God, not only do we receive forgiveness, but the riches and the glory of heaven itself. So, keep this silly image in your head. It can be effective. Put on the trench coat of anonymity. See yourself as a spy, the, the hat of humility, and those glasses that remind you that you aren't number one in the universe. The dark glass is a perspective. And as the hymn says that we're about to sing, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Amen.
gratitude to the God who sacrificed everything for us, let us receive our offering. Friends, this is the Lord's table. And how gracious and eager he is for all who believe in him, for all who are eager to share in this meal that he prepares for us. All of you are invited to come. Listen to these words of scripture on this evening. Come to me, he says. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find your rest in me. I am the bread of life, and all who come to me will never ever hungry, and all who believe in me will never be thirsty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake, for they will be filled. Come now and let your hearts, let your desire for righteousness and peace be filled with this meal. The scripture tells us that on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus was having supper in that upper room with his disciples, and he took a piece of bread and giving thanks for it. He broke it, and he handed it out to all of them, saying, this is my body, broken for you. Take each in remembrance of me. And in a like fashion, he took the cup following the meal and pouring into it, he said, this is my blood poured out for you. This is the cup of the new covenant, God's saving grace given freely to each of you. Every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, proclaim the saving grace of our Lord until he comes to be with us again. Thank you. 
Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for the gift of this bread and this cup. In the receiving of this, your sacrificial meal for us, we are reminded again and again that through Jesus Christ, we are joined to you in a new covenant, a new promise. As we strive to fully live into the grace that you have given us, we still fall short. Forgive us, gracious one. 
We humbly stand before you, mumbling again. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. These are stark and startling words. Our breath becomes shallow and our hearts quicken as we try to comprehend our place in this, your creation. Help us, God. Help us to use this season of Lent for intentional engagement with you. Open us to live into the piety that is your definition of doing righteousness. O holy God, create a clean heart in us and put a new and right spirit in us. Strengthen our trust in your ways so that if we grow weary, our faith will carry us on. Strip us of all gossip and judgment so that we are free to become beacons of your loving kindness. Move us into an intimate walk with you these weeks of Lent so that in the quiet alone time with you, we may hear your whispers. It is no secret that you are our God and we are your people. Stir in us a new and bold understanding of what it means to walk to Jerusalem with Jesus. We set our face to the hill of Calvary. And may our prayers, our acts of charity, our gifts to those in need and spiritual fasting all be faithful to you. Confident that your Holy Spirit remains present with us, now let us join together saying the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You're about to leave this place and go out into the world that God has created, that God rules. Some of you will come forward to have this sign of the cross put on your forehead, a sign that reminds us to whom we belong. We're marked with his sign, the sign that reminds us of the cost of that belonging, a sign that marks you as his secret agents. But I tell you, the harder you work to do these things in secret, the more you will shine like his stars in the heavens. Go from this place knowing that you belong to him in life and in death. Always. Amen.